0: This is a podcast of the Church at Indian Lake.
1: Well, I'm starting a new series today called "Under the Radar," and as I was thinking about this concept, I started thinking about what are some sins that we don't easily recognize, or better yet, what are some sins that we kind of start accepting in our lives, and it just kind of becomes a part of who we are. Now. This might come to a surprise to you, but we actually put a whole lot of effort into the messages we give to you each Sunday and Wednesday. And I have a little process I go through where I schedule my sermons through the leadership of the Holy Spirit several months in advance. And then as we get closer, we check it in prayer. I usually send my sermon outline to a small group of people via email and they critique it for me. Then I meet with... A small group known as the programming team that right now consists of pretty much our, our full time staff and some of our part time staff. And my wife is also part of that group. So I was going to tell them about this series coming up, and I said, We're going to do a series called Under the Radar. And I just explained what I just explained to you looking at sins we don't easily recognize. And I had a list of different possibilities, and I just really felt like we were about to have a holy moment as a great man of God that I am, have identified sins under the radar. So I said, I think I'm going to start off with the, sin, with the sin of mockery. And when I said that, I expected a holy hush to fall over my office. But much to my surprise, they started laughing out loud at me because I have been known once or twice... Okay, maybe occasionally, to mock a little bit. I used to at one time be very good at imitations, and I can make imitations and and do those. I've kind of quit doing those as hopefully I've matured. And I say that because when I told different people about talking about mockery, everyone just kind of has this attitude like, "Uh uh-oh. Because our whole society... We base so much of our humor off sarcasm and satire. And I want to just give this disclaimer at the beginning that I'm not here to say humor is wrong, and that joking is wrong, and that all sarcasm is wrong. Because, like Paul said, I am the chief of all sinners. When it comes to this sermon, that phrase would apply to me also. I would be the chief of all sinners. And so it's not wrong to have a good time. In fact, you've probably been part of a roast before. And I've had people imitate me before. I've had that happen several times, that they've imitated my mannerisms that I speak or my personality traits, and it was all done in, in a good spirit and it was fun. And sometimes that those people who are in leadership, whether it be the father of a family or the head of a church or, or whatever the case is, they are a safe target for humor. And so... We'll roast them or, and we'll imitate them and it's endearing and it's appropriate and it kind of honors a person in a, in a different type of way. But when that same uh, exercise is done in the wrong spirit, to destroy, not to honor, to tear down, not to build, to make fun of and to belittle Then all of a sudden, we are moving and operating to a spirit that's not the spirit of Christ. And we live in a society where all mocking, mocking is just part of our language. Another word that goes along with mocking is a a synonym, or just the same thing, excuse me. Don't mock me now. Uh, Another word that's the same as mocking is scoffing. Mocking, scoffing belittling something. We live in a culture that we're so accustomed to that that it just becomes part of our language and part of our personality. And sometimes we don't know where the line is. And I'm going to just, at the very beginning, suggest to you to let the Holy Spirit control your humor. When Jesus was humorous and He laughed and I think the kingdom of God enters in through laughter. And I also think about Elijah when he was... He was battling the prophets of Baal. He mocked them. And he used language that, that satire language to them just to make them to see how, how ridiculous it was that they are trying to worship and trying to have this false god to bring down fire. If you read the prophets, often God, through the prophets, mocks the kingdoms of the world and the power of men and how we all trust in that. So this is not a blanket statement for all mocking. But it's a chance for you to let the eyes of your spirit open up. To see, is there something in my life that's creeping in at the wrong time? Is there something in the life in my life that's polluting what God wants me to do? Jude 18 warns us. It says, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own un." Godly desires that strongly implicating that they're scoffing the holy things. They're scoffing the things of God. They're scoffing those things which are special, unique, set apart from God. And that is one of the characteristics of the last days. One of the characteristics of the last days is that people will be scoffers. So let's look at Luke 22 and we're going to start in verse 63 and we're going to just look at a small aspect of of the execution of Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus was put on trial, a legal trial. And there were many, many aspects to his death. And sometimes around the Easter season, we, we try to cram all of the aspects of his death and resurrection within a few weeks. And we would do well to think about it more and more. In fact, tonight at your 242 groups, you're going to be discussing pondering Jesus and thinking about Jesus often. In the middle of of his trial, he was having the temple police and the guards watch him until he went to Herod. And starting in verse 63 of Luke 22, it says, "...the men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, Prophesy, who hit you?" These were just regular working class men... That were the temple guards, they were the policemen, they had a temporary job, and it's to hold Jesus until Jesus entered into trial. And the word there says they mocked him. And we can read a little into this word mock, because that word mock means this. If you look at the original language, it means to play a game. To play a game. So in essence, they played a game with Jesus. They blindfolded him. They struck him and they said, now prophesy. We know that Jesus had laid down his power willfully. He could have prophesied. He could have called ten thousands upon ten thousands of angels to come and rescue him. But he became the sacrifice for you and me. And we don't know this for sure, but very likely they played this game with him. And they might have fallen on the ground and they might have shook like they were demon-possessed and got back up and laughed again. They might have hobbled around like they were blind and then acted like they could see. They, they might have laid hands on one another and then pretended they were healed and then laughed about it. That's a very likely scenario because they mocked. They played a game. Look in chapter 23 because it wasn't just for these kind of middle-class working men. Herod was in charge, he was a governor over all of Israel. Appointed by the Roman government, no doubt he had been vetted, he had been trained, he was supposed to be a professional. He was surrounded by Roman guards who were professional not only in their appearance, but in their conduct. They were representing the most powerful government in the world, and there was an expected code of conduct. Even to a criminal, they were supposed to be professional. They were supposed to be strong. They were supposed to be honorable. That that certainly wasn't the case. Look at verse 8 of Luke 23. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased. Because for a long time, he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Now look at 11. Then Herod and his soldiers, these professional men, ridiculed and mocked him. There's a word again. They played a game with him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. They made a choice to play a game with Jesus. Again... Very likely doing the same exercises that I just told you about with the policemen. Taking that thing, those things which were holy and special and manifestation of the power of God on Jesus and using them as a game and making fun of them and ridiculing them. You see, it's not always wrong to have fun and to make a joke. But I want you to understand this truth and I want you to write this down as this. When we mock... We devalue. What you mock, you devalue. So you're making a choice. That when you mock something, especially with the wrong spirit, you're saying, whatever I'm going to make fun of, or whatever I'm going to speak against, or whatever I'm going to imitate in a degrading way, not in an endearing way, that is going to have less value in my life. You see, these men, from the temple policemen to Herod and the guards, they were standing in the presence of God Almighty. They were standing in the middle of history. They had an opportunity and a chance there to know the true and living God. But they chose to mock. And when they mocked, they devalued who God was. See, that's what we do. When we don't understand something, and we don't quite understand, we make a joke. Because then that makes us feel better. We don't really comprehend what's happening. So that which I don't understand, I'll make fun of. When we're uncomfortable with a situation, and maybe, it, maybe we're encountering a situation that's bringing up emotions we don't know how to deal with, or information that we're not aware of, or, or there's a feeling inside of us that we just can't adjust, how do we respond? We make a joke. And say, I'm going to devalue this information. I'm going to devalue this emotion in my life. Whatever you mock, you devalue. When you're jealous of someone, often mocking is a manifestation of that. We'll make fun of someone's accent. We'll make fun of someone's background. We'll make fun of someone's mannerisms. And we may not realize it, but it's a manifestation of jealousy in our life. They have something we want. And so we're going to devalue them. By mocking and making them look bad. Look at Acts 17 with me. Paul was speaking to a very religious city called Athens. They were so religious, in fact, they had an inscription said, to an unknown God. They were interested in many, many religions. Paul was a very educated man. As we know, Peter was a fisherman, a uh, fisherman the preeminent of the 12 disciples and he just had raw passion and God used that. Paul was a theologian and God used that. Paul, Peter was more to the Jews. Paul was more to the Gentiles. God uses every personality and background. And Paul was a perfect person to encounter the Athenians because the, the men and women from Athens, or especially the men were very intellectual and they, there was a center of learning. And right there in the middle of that center, He gives his speech, and we won't look at the whole thing, but let's start in verse 29. Paul's giving the speech, and he says, Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. So we just got to tell in of Paul's speech and argument. Verse 32: When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on the subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers, followers of Paul and believe look again at verse 32 when they heard about the resurrection of the dead some of them sneered but others said we want to hear you again on this subject you see that's how it works same person same speech same atmosphere some people said we want to go further we want to learn more and they became believers others devalued it as soon as they heard others oh, a resurrection they said that's it we devalue that It's over. Because whatever you mock, you devalue. Here's the second thing I want you to write down. Whatever you mock, you eliminate. I'm not saying that all mocking is wrong. I'm not saying all mocking is a sin. It's certainly situational. But I want you to understand, when you begin to mock something, you begin to eliminate its influence in your life. It's a conscious choice that you make. It's a conscious decision that that which you mock, you start to eliminate from being a voice in your life. Over the last 30 years, every president that we have, especially in their second term, has become an object of mockery. Have you noticed the trend? They start off, everyone's excited, everybody is a fresh leader, it's a new voice, and by the end of their terms or even their first term. Everyone in America has begun to mock and imitate. So then the same voice that's bringing truth now is a joke. It's one of the subtle dangers that we have to be aware of. It's one of the things that when the voice that we, imi- the voice that we use as a joke is the same voice that gives us truth, we are on thin ice because we will cut off and eliminate something an Avenue in which God wants to speak to us that 's why mocking our parents is such a dangerous thing to do, and it 's such a uh, a challenging thing to do, and I see it all the time working with teenagers and working with young adults is that there's a sense of mocking of the parents again, not in a roast way, kind of endearing we love you you're a safe target, mom and dad, uh, but in a sense of demeaning the voice, demeaning the influence, calling the voice that God has given in your life and And making fun of it in such a way that you're not able to receive. I mean, this has happened all from the beginning. In Acts chapter 2, we know that the church was birthed. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. And when that event happened, men, under the Spirit of God, began to speak in other languages. They began to speak in tongues. And in Acts chapter 2, and let's just look at verse 12 after hearing people speak in tongues and I want, I'll, I'll encourage you later to read the beginning of Acts 2 verse 12 it says amazed and perplexed they asked each other what does this mean verse 13 some however made fun of them and said they have had too much wine you see from the beginning when the church was birth there's been people who have mocked speaking in tongues they've mocked the power of God manifesting itself in that language. And the thing that the very thing they mock, they eliminate from their life. There's whole churches and movements that will say, We're not open to the Spirit of God moving. We're not open to prophecy. It doesn't exist anymore. We're going to just make fun of all that babble tongue stuff. And that mocking has eliminated that avenue in their life. And it's a choice. Whatever we mock, whatever we eliminate, Whatever we speak against is no longer a voice in our life. And that is why when we talked a couple of Wednesday nights ago about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, when you begin to speak about against the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, you eliminate it. When you begin to say, I don't want the Holy Spirit in my life, then you eliminate God's choice of salvation. Because every single Christian has to have the Holy Spirit draw them to Him. Now, mockery has a, a cousin. A very, very similar cousin called cynicism. Cynicism is the idea that no one's motives are pure. Everyone has a hidden agenda. And so cynics are always looking for the negative. Cynics are always looking for that which is half empty. Cynics are always looking for the catch. And they often go hand in hand. In my life, I, in my past, I've struggled with cynicism. Cynicism. In a huge way. And I've had to train myself to be optimistic. I've had to train myself to see things through God's eyes. I've had to train myself to see the best in everything. And recently I read a quote that really touched me by Donald Miller. It says this. It says, There aren't many great leaders who are cynics. At least not publicly. Leaders have to believe in something. And cynics are too cool to believe. Leaders have to create community. They have to work with their enemies. They have to love and be committed to people. They have to convince people of their ideas. And cynicism doesn't contribute well to any of this. When we begin to mock, when we begin to... Be cynics all the time, then we are not able to lead people. You might be able to gather a crowd that might laugh at your jokes. You might be able to gather a crowd who might think that your rebellious attitude is appealing and cool, but you're never going to take someone to a direction that God wants them to be. Because mockery and cynicism is not for leaders. It is, for, it is when you begin to operate in that, you begin to eliminate all types of avenues in your life. And you can't move forward to what God wants you to be. Let me just give you, and I didn't know if we'd have time for this, but we have just a couple more minutes before we move into ministry. Let me just give you some examples of things that the Bible's clear that we shouldn't mock against. And that is first of our parents. I've already touched on this again. But look at the scripture in Proverbs thirty seventeen. You want to write that down. Proverbs thirty seventeen: The eye that mocks a father, that scorns obedience to a mother, will be pecked out by the ravens of the valley, will be eaten by the vultures. The danger of mocking our parents, and I believe in our Western culture we need to honor our parents we need to change the attitude that we 've inherited Our parents are not perfect i 'm a parent I know that i 'm not perfect, so we need to honor them. We need to honor here 's another thing the work of God through a man or a woman now this is kind of a humorous scripture but it's not it 's not so humorous for the people that it happened to second kings two twenty three through twenty four it says, from there, Elijah went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, some youth youths came out of the town and jeered at him. Go on up, you bald head. They said, go on up, you bald head, again. And he turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youth. How many of that should be a devotional scripture for some of your children? But here's where I really... That was a bit humorous, but this last scripture that I want to warn you about is about the coming of the Lord. Second Peter 3, verse 3 and 4 says it this way. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. And they will say, where is the coming He promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. I know that there's some ambiguity about Uh, In some churches about when the coming of the Lord is. I believe the Lord's rapture and His coming can happen any moment. I am looking for it today. But I do know this. Is that when we begin to doubt that He's coming again. We're not only disobeying Scripture. We are walking with the mockers. We're walking with the scoffers. And we're at a dangerous place. We need to look for His coming. Look to be ready. Look for the signs. Because He's coming. I want our musicians to come forward. God... God wants to open the eyes of our spirits So that we can see We can see that That nothing is going to contaminate our spirits Psalms 1.1 1, 1 says it this way Says If we have that Blessed is the man Who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked Or stand in the way of the sinners Or sit In the seat Of the mockers That word blessed means happy Happy is the man. You see, a lot of times we think we, we get bad habits and bad behavior and we begin to mock. We begin to um, make fun of. We begin to scorn. And it can happen within, amongst groups of people that we just kind of bounce off each other. But can I tell you that those who choose to be mockers, perpetual mockers and scoffers, they are not happy people I have lived both ways and it's so much better to choose the ways of the Lord it's so much better just to bite your tongue don't tell the joke don't point out the deficiency most people can figure it out anyway say Lord put a bridle on my tongue help me to be disciplined help me to be disciplined in what you want me to be the other day uh, I have a neighbor who goes to our church also and 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 uh, Beth and I have been part of her discipleship process. And she was at our house and mom was there. Which I don't want to bring that up. This is my mom's last Sunday. But the reason I'm not making a big deal about that. We don't want to be emotional about it. But mom was there and Beth was there. Beth was there. There's Beth. And our friend was there. And in an unguarded moment, I just blurted out something that, that just was not becoming of me. It was not appropriate. And when I said that, when I said that, All three of those ladies' mouth dropped. And I realized, man, right there, I repented. I didn't make an excuse. I didn't say, oh, I really didn't mean that. I was just joking. I said, I am so sorry. That was inappropriate, what I said. Within the next 24 hours, when I got before the Lord and reflected on that, it was a sign to me that my heart probably wasn't where it should be. See, I think about Isaiah, in Isaiah 6:1, Isaiah became in front of the presence of the Lord, and he said this: He said, "In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple." The next verses describe what that is, but in verse five, he said this. This is Isaiah's response, "Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among the people of unclean lips." And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When you walk in the presence of the Lord and you begin to walk in Him and you realize that your mouth is a reflection of your heart and if you continually just mock and scoff and are cynical all the time, there's something probably wrong with your heart. And it's time to get before the Lord And say I'm a sinner You know one of the reasons why our culture and society Is full of mockery And full of negativity And full of scoffing And full of criticism And full of cynicism is because we are a people full of sin Period Sin is what causes us To mock When it's inappropriately Sin is what the problem is So today. I want to give you a chance to turn to the Lord and to use this as a tool to say, God, my heart isn't where it should be. Can we stand together? Let's sing this to the Lord now.
0: Your love surrounds me, your love surrounds me, your love is everything. Sing that again.
1: made you feel just a little unclean because preparing it made me feel that way you know the reason I hope that because there's only one way to be clean and that's through the blood of Jesus that's through the cross of Christ that's through our relationship with Him and so every single one of us I want you to have a chance to leave today pure before the Lord I want you to have a chance to leave totally totally pure before Him some of us need to repent of mocking we need to repent Of scoffing, We need to repent of being too cynical. Others of us need to just let the Lord examine our hearts. As we begin to sing, the table of the Lord is open here at the front and here at the back. Our prayer partners will be coming down. And they're here to pray with you. Or you might want to just find a place around these steps or these front altars. But let's take these next few minutes to make sure our hearts are submitted to the Lord. This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.